Welcome to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, where our goal is to connect listeners to the great outdoors with hosts Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. I'm host Ben Brandell, owner of Meant to Be Outdoors, instructor of outdoor skills, and passionate about personal growth. I'm host Brian Hoffmeyer, wildlife biologist and avid outdoorsman. Welcome back to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. I'm your host, Brian, with my co-host, Ben Brandell, and this is another Total Outdoorsman Tuesday episode. Today, we are going to be talking about ferro rods, and not really just ferro rods, but how to effectively make a fire with ferro rods, because it is a very, very valuable skill if you are, really, if you spend any time outdoors at all. Yeah, ferro rods, not only... Is it so powerful to use in a survival situation? It's actually pretty easy to use and fun to use. Yeah, you can have fun with them, um, but just buying one and keeping it with you when you're spending time outdoors, you know, not only could it save your life, but it could even say you, uh, you know, you and I have had some hairy situations through different activities in the outdoors over the years, some together, some not, but just coming off the top of my head, if you were out canoeing or something and, and fell in and all your stuff was wet, and you just wanted to dry your clothes out so you could finish the day. It wasn't even a life-threatening situation, but you just wanted to dry your stuff out. You could still do that with a soaking wet ferro rod. You couldn't do that with a lighter. Yeah, they're also what I consider windproof as well. They they throw a hot enough spark that even the wind doesn't cool it down. Like if you have a lighter and you're creating that flame, when the wind comes through, it will put your flame out. So there's a lot of pros to, to having a ferro rod. Yeah, we teach with ferro rods all the time. We have a, a carabiner that is absolutely chock full of ferro rods. Yeah. So it's kind of frustrating because sometimes I can't get the ones off there that I need, but we have a bunch of them. We teach with them all the time. It is such a valuable skill, and we want everybody to know how to do it. And it's they're easy to get your hands on these things, guys. You can run down the, the street to your closest Walmart, hop on Amazon. There's so many choices. They're inexpensive. They last for a very long time, and they they are great to have. Uh, we actually carry in our personal stuff, whether it's our backpack or in our vehicle. We pretty much always have one on us. Yeah, and we have one on us because we understand that fire is a priority, one of the priorities of the human needs. So when we teach survival, we teach food, fire, shelter, water, and anytime we teach fire, this is a skill that we teach within that curriculum, within that program. So... What is the first thing, Ben? Uh, I'm going to consider you, I've used them a lot, but I learned from you. So I'm going to consider you our in-house uh, ferro rod expert. What is the first thing that somebody needs to keep in mind or that they should know if they plan to become proficient with a ferro rod? That there are a lot of different types and a few of them are really, really good and the rest of them are perhaps junk. And so... I don't know right now. I couldn't tell you every single brand and every single kind, but there are some that are very, very hard, and there are some that are really, really soft, and you want to find one that's in between. Um, Brian and I, like he was telling you, we have a lot of them. They're all on this carabiner, and there's so many different types of them that we've bought and tried. We have discovered that there are some that while kids are using, they really have a hard time getting a spark with them. Mm-hmm. Now, the company I'm going to use here, it is called Light My Fire. I have found up to this point that they so far have been more soft than the rest. And so what that means is, is that because it's soft, you can throw a pretty nasty, um, fury slurry of sparks. Yeah, yeah, a rain, a shower. (laughs) A shower, there's a word, yes, a shower of sparks, which is great. But you're not going to get 
150,000 strikes off of this thing. Right. Now, if you're, you're pulling more material off of it every time you do a big, strong strike. Right. Now, you can purchase ones that are more hard, and they're going to guarantee that, that you can get, I'm going to make up a stupid number here, a million strikes off of it. Right. And you may be able to, but you won't get a showering of sparks. It'll be more difficult to use. And so you do want to find that happy medium. You want it to be decently soft, but you want to be able to get thousands of sparks out of it because that is a huge pro to a ferro rod versus just taking a lighter is that that ferro rod will outlast the strikes and the fuel within any kind of lighter that you were to purchase. Well, and I think you need to keep in mind too, um, your own physical abilities. You know, that Ben's talking about these, the different uh, hardness levels of these rods. And yeah, you can, with these hard ones, they last longer. And if you're really, really strong, you're going to be better at using these. So if, if you're a, a bodybuilder or I feel like construction workers always have yeah. the strongest grips and strongest hands. Iron then, worker. Yeah, yeah. then you yeah. can go with one of these these bigger, thicker, really hard uh, ferro rods. But we teach all the way down. We found that eight years old is kind of that line. Third grade, eight years old is kind of that line on dexterity and strength for being able to use one of these light my fire rods, one of these softer style rods. And so if you find yourself somewhere in between there, or maybe you're just starting out, you've never used one before, you know, uh, I think light my fire is between 20 and $25. That is going to be kind of on the more expensive end. If you go to Walmart, you're going to find everywhere from like 4 or $5 on up. Spend a little more, get this rod that you can actually learn properly with, and it is going to last quite a while. Um, but eventually, yeah, you'll you'll wear all the way through them. You know, as of today's podcast, you can get a light my fire simple ferro rod for fourteen bucks from the company itself. So by the time you get shipping and all that, it is going to cost more. Right. But I, I'm telling you, it is a it is they have made it so well. It's such a great design, and it works so well for for all ages for all people but to help give clarity a little bit more you know what do you mean by ferro rod what does that look like so the ferro rods that we're teaching with they are going to be about the the width or girth of a pencil you know and then they're going to be about three to four inches in length Mm -hmm. and some of those though may still be hard or soft in regards to the type of mesh metals that it's made of. Yeah, the actual so, material of the rod that you're scraping. Yes. And so you're, you can also find ferro rods that are, you know, six to seven inches long. They're going to be thicker in diameter. You know, those a lot of the times uh, that mesh metal is harder. And so you get a lot more strikes off of it, but they're not going to be this this nice, bright, showery um, bath of sparks. Right. Yeah, and they're harder to pack, harder to carry. You can't just put them in your pocket. Um, right. They're they're not as easy to conceal. Uh, we've said before, you know, we've this isn't our first time talking about fair rods. We did a podcast last year comparing, uh, I think it was a Myth Monday episode. We actually compared ferro rods to flint and steel because so often you see these called flint and steel and they are not they are so much better than flint and steel as a matter of fact every time i use flint and steel i pretty much don't get a fire i just get a busted knuckle but with a ferro (laughs) rod within a minute i can get a fire every single time so they are much more effective once once you learn how to use them so they are not the same but really if you've not heard any of our past content about ferro rods or fire starting Basically, what you have is you have a striker, which is a little tab of metal, and you're going to put that in whatever your dominant hand is, and you're going to hold this rod in your non-dominant hand, and you're going to scrape off this ferroserenium 
off of this metal rod and it creates these hot, hot sparks like been set up to 6,000 degrees. And the next task is trying to get it to land in your, your dry tinder bundle so that the spark will catch your tinder. Yeah. And all of those components, all those parts, you know, that is where it gets confusing because there are different makers that are going to share what they use kind of, they're not going to tell you everything that's in it. I just want you to know that it's, it is a component of different, um, what they're calling rare earth metals. They're actually not rare earth. They are found easily. However, they're hard to get to. Right. But we have, even in the past podcasts, I've called them rare earth metals, but they're what they call mish metals. And so one example might be 76% of the earth metals are using 20% is going to be iron. You're going to have 2% magnesium. They're going to be smashing all of this together and they're creating what's what we've been calling is that rod. Yeah. And so what you're saying is the recipe of these metals is kind of different based on the companies that you get. There isn't a set thing and they're not going to share their full recipe. Correct. And Ben knows this because he so, so bad wants to make his own, but he I hasn't do. been able to uh, get yeah. to that point. Yet. I, I wanted to actually offer a class to teach kids how to make it and did a lot of research. I could not find the exact steps, but there are companies out there that have, they've mastered it. And because the recipes are so good, that's why they're going to keep them closed. I yeah. mean, you're, you're under, not going to find out wraps. because when you find, when you have a good recipe, you're, you've got the correct, um, recipe, you've got the correct mixture to where it is soft yet. You can get thousands and, and perhaps thousands of sparks from one three inch rod. So, mm-hmm. um, but that balance of soft and, and hard is what we're really looking for because you do want a large spray of those sparks. This was created, I think, one of the first years that I've seen that a manufacturer started doing this was around 1903, Brian. Poof. I would not have guessed that. I would have guessed maybe like 1980s or 90s that this came out. I would never have guessed as early as 1903. You know, these rods were, were made in the beginning for, for lighters. That's where you're going to find them. That's where they make a lot of them inside any kind of, we'll just use the brand Bic. They still, knows the they're Bic. still in there today, like the, when they manufacture lighters today? You know, I don't know which companies are. I don't want to give false information because I do not know the company. However, inside Bic lighters, what you have in there that's creating that spark when you spin that wheel, when you're spinning that wheel with your thumb, that spark is created from a itty-bitty ferro rod. Wow. So... If we found a, a trash lighter that was broken, didn't have any fuel, but you still had spark, then I, essentially you could start light a fire because you have a ferro rod? You can. It's going to be really difficult because that spark that's being created from the Bic lighter is not as large or as hot as what you're going to find from the ferro rods that we teach with in our programs. Right. So, so when we're teaching in our programs, what... What do we teach? What do people need to know? If they're going to go out and buy a fire rod, they can't come to one of our programs, they're just going to see our Instagram video, what do they need to know to actually be able to start a fire? What do they use for tinder? How do they do this? You know, you're asking more about fire than the rod, so let's, let's talk about fire. Let's break fire down really quick. So making a fire requires three things, oxygen, fuel, and heat. Oxygen's found everywhere. It's not something that we have to go out and obtain or gather. So when we teach this to the kids, it's just helping them understand that a fire has to have oxygen to live. And if you take it away, you can't have one. So, you know, we give examples like when you light a candle and you put a glass over it, you see that smoke, it goes out. We also give examples too, that when you see smoke within a fire, that smoke is telling you something. Mm-hmm. It is telling it that you that it can't breathe and it needs more oxygen. And so we talk about oxygen, we teach about oxygen, but that's about as far as we go. Then we get into helping people understand the difference between fuel 
and heat. And so some fuel sources, we actually teach three. We teach tinder, kindling, and fuel wood. And that tinder is going to be that light, fluffy stuff. You know, for today, to help teach kids understand what that looks like or means, we use cotton balls. It's easy to purchase. It's easy to have on hand. But you can make your own cotton balls at home. You can take dryer lint out of your lint trap. Lint trap. And you can create your own cotton ball. I mean, our clothing, like jeans, are made of cotton. That's what's happening. You know, the cotton's leaving the jeans, and mm -hmm. it's getting in the lint trap. But that is that light, fluffy stuff. When we talk about the primitive side, we can go in and we can take, we can find a cedar tree, remove the bark from the cedar tree, fluff that up in our hands, really remove some of that hard, barkish, that woodish material, and it's going to leave behind that fluffy stuff. And you can make your own cotton balls or your own cedar bark tender that way as well. So your tender is going to be the light, fluffy stuff. Then you must move into something a little more woody, and we call that kindling. Kindling is going to be the size of pencil lead all the way up to your pinky. That could be really anything you find. Sometimes grasses. You know, Brian and I love to walk and find broom sedge. Mm -hmm. That grass we kind of use as a kindling. It works pretty well as kindling when you have a good tender source. Might as well because it ain't good for nothing else. Man. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You see it in a lot of pastures when yeah. you're driving. You'll see that out in the pastures. Brian's saying that because, honestly, the ground's allowing that to grow, and that's telling you something. What's it telling you? Well, yeah, it, it's it's an indication that the, the pH is acidic in the soil, and if the pH is really acidic in the soil, then not a lot of good stuff can grow there. Um, and it, it has such a short lifespan of when it's actually green and viable for anything, but most of the time it just looks like this this dead yellow clump of grass that you're going to see, and it will t completely take over uh, pastures here in the Ozarks. But this is why I'm sharing that, is that that ground is needing fire. It does need fire. Yeah. And so that plant is coming up, literally yelling at you like, hey, burn this off mm -hmm. and it's going to help the land. It's going to help the ground to do what it needs, yeah. right? And it is great fire fuel. And that that is great fire fuel. And we use that as kindling a lot. And then after you have that coal base um, from doing that, from adding more and more kindling and you have a sustained coal bed, then you can begin to add on what we call fuel wood, which is really about, about the size of your thumb all the way up to pallets. Right. Those people out there that have their big bonfires, they buy the pallets or get the pallets for free and they're making just massive bonfires. You can throw that on once you have a sustainable fire. But again, the steps are tender kindling and then and then fuel wood. Ben, since you're talking about fuel, it's making me think of my, my favorite thing about ferro rods. There's so many positives about them, but my favorite thing is when you're learning how to use it, when you first get your hand on that, start with easy things like like a cotton ball. They're very easy to light, gives you some confidence, lets you see how things are working, how your body needs to move to to use this piece of equipment. But when you go out and start doing the natural fibers, the the primitive stuff, it is so fun to experiment with different things and see what burns and and see what doesn't. And all of a sudden, you're going to be surprised um, with things that do. I mean, you uh -huh. you you stumbled across one time that the seeds of thistle yes. is like, it's like an accelerant. I mean, it dang near explodes. It was like gasoline. Yeah. Right? So, you know, I found a bunch of thistle heads one year, um, wanted to remove that seed. I, I really don't want that in my yard. And so, um, yeah, thistles that, that plant that grows up with a bunch of thorns and it has the big purple flowers on top and it just will take over your, your yard, any field. It, uh, it, it really is a nasty, nasty weed and, you don't want it in your yard because you step on it, it hurts. It's almost like a cactus. Right. No, absolutely. It, it You don't want it. Um, but 
I'm going to call it bull thistle. Mm-hmm. And so I cut the heads off and I actually put them in a, in a Walmart sack is what I did. And I tied it so they wouldn't fall out. I got back home. I put them in my garage and guess what? I forgot about them. Didn't even remember they were there. So I went and I opened up that bag and at one point that was living and now it's dead. It's didn't have any air. I pretty much took the oxygen and I, t- you know, I sealed that off and it turned into this slimy, gross, they were gross. They looked black and slimy. So I actually have an area outside of a burn barrel and I placed them in my burn barrel. I just dumped them out in there. Well, here's what's crazy. I thought they were nothing. I just thought they were a rotted, nasty mess. I went back a couple weeks. Um, sometimes if I have scrap wood, when I have those things, I go to burn them in my burn barrel. And as I went down there to burn some items I had, I looked in. My burn barrel was full of those bull thistle seeds. I'm talking, it looked like bubbles in a bathtub. Right. It was crazy. And I thought, well, let's burn them. They're going to burn. I took a ferro rod. And I did one strike over the top of them, and I'm not kidding you, it went woof. Yeah. And like gasoline came up at me. Matter of fact, I couldn't even get my hands away fast enough that it did remove some of the hair on the back of my hands. That is how combustible they were. And so when you find those those thistles like that, you can collect and keep and create a primitive bag where you begin to start collecting your tinder now. You get your cedar bark now. You find your thistle seed. You start finding your kindling. You know, when you're out and you're really wanting to make a fire, start collecting it on your hike. You don't want to collect in the moment that you need your fire. You can start collecting it along your hike um, while you find the things you find whenever you're doing whatever you're doing that day. You can put them inside a Ziploc bag. Maybe even have a burlap sack or, or something where it can can breathe and get some air in and out of um, but you want to keep those items dry once you've collected them. And so now that we've talked about oxygen and we've talked about fuel, it's time to talk about heat. And when we talk about our heat sources, there are several. We do discuss the sun with kids. We use magnifying glasses for that. We call that solar. Then we have friction. So there are classes we teach bow drill fires where you're rubbing two sticks together and you're getting that friction. And then we get into what we call impact. And that's really where these ferro rods fall into. This ferro rod heat is our heat source. Once we find our fuel and combine with the oxygen all around us, we can create a fire. And that's exactly what we do. Many people think that you have to have an accelerant. They think that you have to take lighter fluid or perhaps gasoline, which is so dangerous to do. There are so many people that get not only injured severely, but worse death, um, cause a lot of property damage by using gasoline. Just you don't need to, you don't even need to use accelerants like lighter fluid. If you follow the steps of finding that light, fluffy tender, start adding the kindling to once it's lit, after you ha- after you find your heat source, you're good to go, and you're going to be able to have a sustainable fire as you build it and watch it grow, grow, grow. Yeah, you really want to have all that there with you. You know, you, you collect your tender, collect your kindling, collect some fuel wood, and you want all that right there with you close to where you can reach it because a lot of times when you find or have a good tender, your time is short, mm-hmm. especially when you're you, you're using a ferro rod. You're going to strike several times when you're at the beginning, when you're first learning to use this. It may take you a while, but eventually you'll figure it out. you get the hang of it. You'll understand the motion and how much pressure you need to apply to the rod as you're striking. But once you figure that, once you get the knack for it and you're lighting this tinder, some of this tinder, especially if you're using things like thistle seeds, it is fast. It burns up quick, and you need to get the next step 
the small kindling on there so that it can get dried and combust and light so that you can just keep progressing through your sizes of fuel. So have it ready, collect a lot of it. Usually try to get more than you need because if you run out, you're in a tight spot. If you, if you need more tinder and you're trying to pile that on there and uh, your fire goes out, then you got to start completely over. Um, and usually time is of the essence. Such a good tip. And all of the survival classes that we teach, even all of the survival classes that I've been a part of and have attended myself, that is something that they talked about a lot, and it, it is so true. You must practice it, is that when you are preparing to make a fire with any kind, maybe you're using a lighter, it doesn't even matter. You want to go and obtain all the resources you need. You want to have it with you, but you want to have more than enough. Because what has happened to me before by not following this rule is when you don't get enough, it burns up too quickly. And once you burn and you go through your fuel, once you remove your fuel source or you're not adding anymore, no longer can you have a fire. Your fire triangle is gone. And so you must have all the fuel that you need ready to go. And that's such an important tip. Gather it all before you even make your first strike. Absolutely. So let's go through, let's sell ferro rods. Let's act like we're going to become million, millionaires off selling ferro rods, even though we don't have a meant-to-be-outdoors ferro rod brand no, yet. No, Maybe that'd be cool to have someday. Yeah. Let's act like we do. Let's sell everyone listening on ferro rods. What are all the pluses? What are all the positives? Because there's really not very many negatives, except for that it does take a little practice and, and, and skill to learn. What are all the positives? Why does everybody need to go get a ferro rod? I'm going to sell it by telling you the one thing that a ferro rod isn't good at because it's good at everything else. And the only reason that we even have lighters today or the one downside to the ferro rod, and that's that you don't have an immediate flame. You don't. With a lighter, you have an immediate flame. But let me sell you the ferro rod by attacking the lighter. Here we go. That lighter, you have an immediate flame if everything is working correctly. But the longer that you hold that flame, the more likely your lighter is going to fall apart. I don't know if you've ever tried this before, and I'm not encouraging anybody to, but if you take a, we'll just say a, a big style lighter and you strike it and you have the flame, as you hold that flame longer and longer and longer, it actually heats up the spring and it will actually fall apart. The spring will bust and no longer will you have a functioning lighter anymore. Also, by you holding that flame too long, it becomes too hot, burns your hands, it can burn really anything that's around when you're not wanting it to. Also, the fuel inside the lighter does not last very long. Sometimes it can get punctured and you can lose it immediately. Or, depending on what device you have your lighter in, if you hit the button on the lighter, it releases all your fuel. You no longer have it. The ferro rod inside the Bic lighter, that is the best part of the Bic lighter. That is why those lighters are so amazing, is because it has a mini ferro rod in it. However, that size of ferro rod is so tiny that it doesn't create a very hot spark. And let me explain that. Let's get into the ferro rod side. A ferro rod, when you do it correctly, you are going to be throwing out a shower of sparks that are between 5,000 and 6,000 degrees. Now, if you just lightly strike this thing, you're looking at 2,000, maybe 3,000. But when you get a good strike on it, you're getting a super hot, you're rapidly oxidizing, and it is getting hot, hot enough to stick and begin to 
Ignite. Ignite, yes. Here's what's so cool about ferro rods. I can dunk it in water. I can still strike it. And when I do it correctly, I can get 5,000 degree Fahrenheit. Mm -hmm. Even if the wind is blowing, I can still create a shower of sparks no matter how strong the wind is. Yeah, that 6,000 degrees is so hot that even if your tinder is a little damp, if you're able to throw a really, really good spark, you can still get that tinder lit because it's so hot. It's literally drying out the area where it's landing and, and igniting. You know, I've held a, a flame to some of those wet things before and it never catches. Well, a flame out of lighter is nowhere near 6,000. And it's just crazy how we think this lighter can always be there for us. But there is just such a, a limit to it. That ferro rod, when you're out using a ferro rod, you can actually scrape some of it. So when you're striking and you're really digging down and you're making those strikes, some of those are actually flaking off. And like I told you, I believe it was 2% of this thing is magnesium. And if you've ever used a magnesium rod, you know that that is actually really good to use inside your tinder because it is a form of tinder. It is going to take heat well and help to get your fire started. So when you're making little, getting little tiny flakes of your ferro rod off into your tender bundle, it's gonna help you as well. Yep. Another bonus, Ben, that I think is great encouragement. We like to travel prepared and there are places that will not allow you to take a lighter, but you can take a ferro rod. That may be because they don't know what it is, but it's not actually throwing a flame mm -hmm. so it is not on i mean even on airplanes you can take a ferro rod you re you really can and uh we've done it many times and nobody's ever asked any questions we just stick it in with our pens and pencils and and we're good to go but yep. if you try to take a lighter on there they're going to take the lighter away and you're going to probably have a little slower time getting through tsa there you go and and that there's truth to that you know with ferro rods some of you may be listening and saying well i've i've owned some i've used them they're not uh, as effective as what you're saying they are, Ben. Right. I want to give you a tip because maybe you're not pressing down firm enough. Maybe you're not pushing hard enough and getting that spark that it's required. And so here's something that I've learned to do. When I hold my ferro rod, it stays in my left hand, and the striker that it comes with is going to be in my right. And I hold the rod itself. And a lot of these rods will come with like a plastic holding device. Sometimes if you buy them, it's just a rod without any kind of handle on it. It's, it's just the rod itself. No matter what kind you have, you're going to hold that rod with just your fingers in your non-dominant hand. So my pink, or excuse me, my index, my middle finger, my ring finger on my non-dominant hand, I'm really holding that ferro rod down. That allows me then to use my left thumb, my non-dominant thumb. And I need to use that because I'm going to use that to create more of a downward force with my striker on my dominant hand. So you have both your thumbs on your striker. I do. Both of my thumbs are on my striker. My right hand's my dominant hand. And as I am placing the striker down on the ferro rod, I'm able to use both thumbs to not only press down onto the ferro rod, but to also push forward. And so it's kind of like a, a down and forward motion. You're kind of digging down into that yeah, ferro rod. kind of rolling that edge out. There you go, rolling that edge on that ferro rod, and it is going to sling some sparks. And we have put a, a video of you displaying this technique up on our social accounts. If, since you're listening to this, it's kind of probably hard to visualize. Go check it out on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok so you can actually see Ben doing what we're talking about. Another tip for you, if you're like, well, Ben, it still isn't working for me. Um there is a coating that comes over. Um, they're dipped in a coating when you first buy them. It's this black coating. You have to remove that coating off. You have to get down there to that grayish, silverish, we'll call it metal. 
you have to get to that before you're really going to get that spark that you're looking for. And so if you have any kind of black coating, take your striker and just begin to strike all around that, remove that coating. And then from there, use your double thumb method and you'll be able to get a, uh, you'll be able to get that 6,000 degree shower of sparks, um, especially the more that you practice. All right, Ben, here's the question we always get asked, even some of our friends on, on some of our trips and the things we go on. Why not just carry a lighter? Why, why not just carry a lighter? Why do you have that? So if I haven't sold the ferro rod to you by now, I may not. <laughs> I may not, but here's my last plea. I know that majority of people can take a lighter and go start a fire. Majority of them can. Oh, you just want to be cool. You just want to be survival, man. But here's what happens. Those people that rely only on a lighter have problems later. Either they forgot the lighter or their lighter doesn't work or function like they need it to. Because if you take a lighter and you dunk it underwater, you will have to dry that out before you use it. If it has no fuel, it's going to be very difficult to use it. And lastly, you're going to have to try to use that little ferro rod that's inside there, that spark, to catch some sort of super dry tinder bundle to get it to work. I prefer to take ferro rods and use ferro rods for the number one reason is that I want to continue to practice to get better and better at it because if you hand me a lighter, I know that I can get a simple fire going. However, if all I have is a lighter and I am in a survival situation, it can be harder for me to make a fire with a lighter than a ferro rod. Yeah. Does and, that make sense? Yeah, and using the ferro rod, it is fun. So it's a great skill to keep practicing, and it is fun to use. It's cool. to. It gives you this kind of gratification that you're able to start a fire with it. And we do use lighters, guys. We do. We use lighters, whether we're lighting uh, bonfires at the house, burning trash at the house. We don't always, always <laughs> use ferro rods. Yeah, when I'm lighting birthday candles, I don't have a ferro rod out striking it trying to get a candle going. Like You have all the icing burn off top of the cake before you get one lit. There is a use for lighters. It's We have them, we love them, we need them. I always carry a lighter with me, but I keep it in my first aid kit. What I love about my lighter that I do have is I take duct tape and I wrap around that lighter because I use duct tape all the time in wilderness situations. I need it for all sorts of things. And so I have a lighter that's wrapped in duct tape. And sometimes I even put it in like an Altoids tin because then I know that that's going to preserve my fuel inside my lighter. But then it goes inside my first aid kit. And to be honest with you, I do not use it. It stays there unless it's something I have to have. Absolutely. Now, with a ferro rod, there's a few limitations. Just like I said, you're not going to have an instant flame. But I would prefer to use one in the backcountry because I truly believe that I can get a fire going almost faster than most people can get one going with a lighter. Yeah, I agree. I, I think whether you're uh, someone who loves to fish, someone who loves to hunt, hike, camp, if you're going to spend time in the outdoors away from the security of your home, um, someplace you know there's always going to be a lighter, I think that you should get and practice ferro rod with you and your your kids and your husband or wife, whoever your, your spouse is. This is a skill that you guys should have and know. If you get a ferro rod or two, really, relatively speaking, they're 
pretty affordable mm-hmm. and they last they do they last a long time now if you just go out and practice with it every single day or even every single week eventually it is going to wear out and you're going to have to buy another one but that's kind of fun too because there are so many of them out there different kinds to to practice and and collect the different brands and give them a try but i definitely think that if you are spending time in the outdoors no matter the activity away from your home you should learn to carry and use a ferro rod I've got one thing that I want to add that I think is so important for everyone listening to hear. We have some young men listening, um, young women. We have younger people listening to this podcast that love fair rods. I have seen people use their knife blade on a fair rod. And I want to, I want to share this, this tip or this point here. You can, do some pretty bad damage to your hands by using a knife on your ferro rod when you don't need to. And so because earlier we talked about soft versus the more hard styles of ferro rods, and you kind of want to find that one, that that good balance. If you have a softer, a more, actually a better ferro rod, you don't have to use a super sharp striker. You don't have to use a knife. The harder that you get, though, the harder ones that you get, it is going to require something that's very sharp like a knife, but you can harm your, you can get hurt so quick by using your knife as that striker. And so find other methods. Find a lot of these companies that that have those more firm ferro rods, they're strikers that come with it. And it'll be a a stick piece of metal that's got just a a decent sharp edge to that. It's so much safer than using your six-inch Bowie knife. Like, just be so careful you really shouldn't be using knives, your knife blade as your striker. Now on the backside, a lot of these survival knives that are out there on the backside of the blade, they have more of that sharper edge for ferro rod use. And I can see how that that's functional. That works. Please be so careful. If you're using the sharp side of your knife, that knife blade as your striker, you can harm yourself and you can hurt other people that are standing next to you as well. So please be mindful of that. Yeah, everybody go out, get you a ferro rod, give it a try. If you need help with that, please reach out to us. You can email us at m2boutdoors at gmail.com. Direct message us on Facebook or Instagram as well. Don't forget, uh, we are putting up a video of how to do this, this more in particular, the two-thumb method that, that Ben was describing. We're also going to put a link up to the Light My Fire Fair Rod. If you want to purchase through that link, we'll get a little kickback on that as well. I want to challenge everyone that is listening. First of all, thank you so much. And there are lots of ways to help us, whether you're just liking. But I want uh, people to help us share the podcast. Please do us this favor. I'm going to give you a challenge. Find our Facebook page or our Instagram page and share our podcast episode and tag us in that share at Meant to Be Outdoors. We will get a notification that you've tagged us. And in the next podcast, we will give you a personal shout out that will help more people listen. And you'll get to hear your name on the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back on Thursday with a brand new episode. And as always, between now and that time, we hope that you find time to get outdoors. Thank you for listening to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast hosted by Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. Please help us by subscribing. Also, follow along on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook.